0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: What's going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to the Ducks Dish Podcast. We got another episode for you guys today. And in today's episode, we have a breaking news episode as I get my light fixture situated here but man we got some huge breaking news uh coming down the the pipelines uh and that is that uh usc and ucla are reportedly moving to the big 10 conference as soon as 2024 that uh story first reported by john wilner of the san jose mercury news shout out to san jose if you guys have been rocking with me for a while that's my hometown so kind of cool to see someone from from my uh, neck of the woods breaking that story but man there is so so much we can talk about with with this huge news we're going to talk about how it affects the Pac-12 college football and of course we got to talk about how it affects the Oregon Ducks as we always do here on the Ducks Dish podcast but joining me today I got Graham Metzger me some issues hold up i gotta check in graham you got me okay yes sir yes sir i mean i don't know hopefully it hangs in there with me i'm backing eugene so my internet isn't always the best but we're gonna do everything we can to give you guys a good show but uh i was just introing graham graham how we doing man
2: thanks for being here thanks for having me max man it's been a crazy day it's one of those days where uh you check your phone and it's three new twitter notifications uh every time so it's been a wild day definitely fun and definitely got some things to work out for the Oregon Ducks
1: yeah there's plenty of stuff to talk about obviously you have this news uh Kevin Durant requested a trade if you're talking some NBA news I know we have a lot of uh Portland Trailblazers fans that you know read our our stuff and and watch our shows and whatnot so uh I think the the favorites or some of the preferred destinations have been uh uh the Heat and um, I can't remember what the other one was. The Suns as well. The, I think the I saw. Suns. Okay. So yeah, there's no shortage of, of news today. Uh it'd be kind of fun to see KD go to go to Portland. But yeah, Graham, let's just start off by kind of breaking this news down. We kind of have a couple points we want to hit on and then uh, and definitely invite you guys, if you're watching live on YouTube at Oregon Football Max Taurus, to hop in the comments um and let us know your reaction to this news and, and definitely throw some questions our way. We'll try to get to as many as we can. But man, this, this news is just so crazy. But at the same time, it, it doesn't really come as a surprise. You know, it's year after year, the Pac-12 has been viewed as the weakest conference uh, in the country, particularly in the college football landscape, uh, which we know is is the big moneymaker for, for college athletics, uh, followed by college basketball. But I think this move just could really serve as the death blow to to the Pac-12. I mean, I I don't want to be too dramatic, but I don't know what else needs to happen for that message to kind of ring true that the Pac-12 is just so, so far behind everybody. And then it makes sense for the Big Ten and then for the two LA schools, because that's a major media market. USC is right there with Oregon as far as the most recognizable and powerful brand in the conference. And then I think UCLA is in that conversation as well. But um, you know, it's just another sign too that the SEC and the big 10 are the the two premier conferences.
2: Yeah, I totally agree with you there. Um, you're starting to see a lot of the money making the decisions here. I think, you know, obviously logistically, it does not make sense for two LA schools to travel across the country every single week or vice versa, have those East coast schools, those Midwest schools go all the way to LA in the middle of the week. But it's been all about the the TV deals that have been going on. I've been seeing a lot with um, this has been Fox driven. I saw John Canzano's story. He said that uh, no way UCLA or USC was the one to reach out first to make this happen. So I think that's a pretty interesting note there. So you're
1: saying um, that this has to do with like network deals and stuff with Fox being a major
2: carrier for the big 10. I, I have been seeing that. and I've actually been seeing a lot of uh, things that are saying, um, the eventual kind of end goal of that this kind of that this domino started is that there will just be two huge conferences, the Big Ten and the SEC, and with the Big Ten, you got the Fox money. And with the SEC, you've got that ESPN deal going on.
1: Okay, yeah, that's that's what's so crazy about the another aspect of it. I don't want to say crazy too much, but like that's really what it feels like. This is a huge, huge day for, for college football. And we can't forget about the other sports, college athletics as a whole. I saw another tweet um, from uh, one, of, one of my good buddies and co-workers, Brian Driscoll, over at Irish Breakdown. And he was saying, I kind of feel for some of these other smaller sports that um, maybe stay in the Pac-12 or whatever conference we're talking about. Because that's obviously a lot of realignment talk. Um, but they have to make like midweek trips, um, across the country. Now, if, uh, if this move does indeed go through, um, and there are so many specifics as far as network deals, the, the money, the, the contract terms and everything, I'm going to be super honest and just say, I, I, I'm not aware of a lot of those specifics, but I am aware of the weight that that carries. So I think that's definitely going to be a significant part of, of the conversation, uh, around this moving forward. Um, but uh, where did I want to go with this? Um, oh, let's see. I'm trying to think if I want to go, you know, just still talk about USC and UCLA. I think that's what I was thinking. So just talking about USC and UCLA and then kind of go bigger Pac-12 and then, and then Oregon uh, obviously being a, a main focus. So starting with USC, I think this is really interesting because a lot of people – we're saying when Lincoln Riley went to USC that he was afraid of the SEC. And then now you see this news coming and it's like, oh, hey, here's the Big Ten for you. You want an easy situation, allegedly, reportedly, whatever. Um, now here's the Big Ten where you got to go up against the, the likes of Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. A lot of just really, really gritty teams that are
2: coming with a much higher floor, I think, than a majority of the Pac-12. Definitely. Um, I think I think you hit it right there. There's that famous quote from Lincoln Riley. I wasn't running away from the SEC. I was running to USC. And really, when I saw this news, the first thing that I thought is, did he know about this? Did he did Lincoln Riley have some sort of idea? Whether you know this? Was this already in motion was my big question uh, to Lincoln Riley, whether we get the answer to that? You know, I'm not sure. But it definitely feels like it could have at least been a possibility, and that could certainly be a reason for the big move for him.
1: So, not only do you have USC and UCLA as two prime prime media markets, right? Los Angeles is is one of the the biggest, if not the biggest, media market in the country. You, know, you can also uh, factor in New York, obviously, with with Broadway and, and all the awesome historic sports franchises that you have over there, but. Not only does LA have the LA market, but USC is the the most storied football program out west as, as far as college goes. Uh, UCLA has, has definitely had their moments as well, not nearly to the extent of, of USC and Pete Carroll Haydays, but they're they're uh, you know a notable program. And, and obviously, you have US uh, UCLA and USC basketball. UCLA basketball is definitely. Uh, I think more well-known and respected than than USC, but USC in recent years has really been kicking it into high gear, getting a lot of high profile recruits, making runs in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Graham, you, you grew up in Southern California, so uh, maybe a cool angle to take, you know, just to get some of your perspective there. Did you grow up going to any of these games? Like what's your kind of reaction to these
2: two schools in particular? Yeah, man. Uh, I, I grew up Long Beach, California. So everyone around me, you're either a UCLA or a USC fan. I uh, kind of went more the UCLA side, um, but there's no doubt. I mean, when I was growing up, USC football powerhouse, UCLA basketball powerhouse. I feel like in the past, like maybe decade, maybe five years, almost seen a little bit of a switch. USC is coming back certainly in football, but they've been increasing a lot in basketball, getting really good recruits. Evan Mobley, you know, one of the best young players in the NBA straight from USC. Um, and UCLA, they've had some some uh, some heydays in football. There was a couple of years, you know, Brett Hundley uh, leading the Bruins to win. You know, DTR this year beat UCL- USC in football. Um, but I really feel like this move to the Big Ten helps both of those schools kind of even out. I think I saw some things that UCLA, they didn't have the proper funding or they weren't investing that proper funding into their football program. You got to think that's not an issue anymore after this. I think their bank counts will certainly be a little bit more available for the football staff. Um, but yeah, I really think that this move, you know, both schools are solid in football and basketball. And I think this move takes both of them up in on both levels.
1: It absolutely does. I think from a basketball standpoint, you're, you're potentially losing, uh, competing with Arizona. That's, that's definitely one of the bigger schools when we're talking hoops, right. Um, but not, not really a whole lot else. I just think if you're USC and UCLA, you ultimately are asking yourself, what does the PAC 12 have to offer me that the big 10 can't, you have the obvious hurdle of geography, um, but that'll have to be worked out with, with uh, a lot of scheduling, planning, you know, flights and all that, but you've got big time football, bigger time football for sure. In the big 10. And definitely a lot of respectable basketball programs as well. So I think it's, it's a move that that is mutually beneficial for them, but obviously does, does not bode well for the pac 12. Um, Man, it's, it just feels right now, like, uh, like the pac 12 is on life support. And I think a lot of it, not necessarily like right now, but I definitely saw some tweets about it. People were saying, you know, Larry Scott kind of laid the foundation for this, not because it's all his fault, but, I think we can all agree that it was just such a poorly ran conference. The, the, the media rights deals were an absolute mess, uh, which resulted in a lot of the te- the top teams in the conference, not getting exposure or even the bottom tier teams, not getting good exposure, which, which ultimately hurts you in, in the long run. If, if people can't watch your games and can't tune in, you're not getting that exposure. Um, so that set them back. I, I mean, I got a feel for, for George Kleevkov because I felt like there was a lot of confidence uh, with with him and kind of the direction he could take things, kind of just being a, an entertainment guru, you know, from all his work in Vegas. But uh, but now he's kind of getting blindsided by this.
2: Yeah, blindsided is the perfect word. But uh, it's it's tough to feel bad for him just because I feel like a commissioner should be privy to this type of thing. Um, in James Crepia, he talked to Klyakov, earlier in the month and he said quote he is dr- absolutely not worried about schools being poached and so saying something like that just a month ago it's it's hard to have sympathy and you know uh I've seen people mention the alliance that was made a bit ago between um the Big Ten ACC and Pac-12 and that was like a handshake agreement yeah gentlemen's agreement. yeah <laughs> Yeah, and how good I mean, I guess we're seeing today how much a gentleman agreement is worth in the big media industry, you know. Yeah, about about zero.
1: Yeah, it's that that was another talking point that I thought about. I'm like, "Oh, well, that was uh that was nice while it lasted. There was uh, you know some cool tweets and some some cool graphics about look at these matchups we could get." And then this this news breaks and it's like, "Okay, well, that's obviously not happening." Um but yeah, I think all the crazy responses that we've seen just, I think, really fire off a lot of interesting talking points. Uh, and we have some people in the comments that are already you know, saying some stuff. So I think I want to pivot a little bit and tackle some of these questions, Graham. Um, let's see. So we got the first one from Christopher. Uh, Christopher asks, Max, two thoughts. Can the Ducks stay in the Pac-12 or the Pac-10, or is it dead? And, or can they add BYU and Boise State to keep it semi-competitive? And then he had another one. Or can slash, should they look at other conferences or maybe go independent? Yeah, this is a, uh, I mean, this is like kind of a bunch of different questions into one. And I think kind of what I was hoping to tackle throughout, throughout the episode. So, um, let's just start, let's just start with the first part, which is kind of asking, you know, can do, do the ducks stay in the pack 12 or, or the pack 10, um, I feel like if, if you're Oregon, you, you gotta be trying to get to the big 10. I think that's kind of a best case scenario right now for the ducks, uh, given that the the big 10 is, has obviously elevated themselves far and above the the rest of the other conferences, like the, the ACC and then the big 12, obviously. And of course the PAC 12, I think that's kind of a best case scenario for them because it gives them a lot of really high quality matchups within the big 10, uh, a much more competitive conference. That's, a lot more well-respected um, than, than the Pac-12, but it certainly wouldn't be easy uh, for them to, to kind of get, I mean, here's, here's one of the things that I think, you know, you could make the argument for staying in the Pac-12 because it's winnable, right? That's your easiest path to the playoff. But how long have we been hearing that since the college football playoffs started? And it's, it's so hard every year to to go undefeated and run the table. So I feel like it doesn't make sense to roll the dice and stay in the Pac-12. The immediate reaction, gut reaction is is you got to hope you can get into the Big 10, which isn't a given.
2: Yeah, first of all, definitely not a given. Um, you know, there's rumors that they will accept more members in and as the years go on, maybe there will be more opportunities, but in no way given. I think um just off the like to answer the first part of that question, they can't stay in the Pac-12 going out to Georgia and hiring Dan landing who just won a national championship, you know, keeping coaches like Altman Kelly graves that have such a good winning record. How can you tell those coaches, the players that want to come here? How can you tell the boosters that you're okay with taking a step down in competition that you're okay with maybe not getting to the highest level. And the only way to stay and keep going to the highest level is to compete with these teams, not just in an actual game, but with recruits, you know? Um, So I think, if you're AD, Rob Mullins, um, if you're any Oregon fan, you have to be hoping for the Ducks to get out of the Pac-12. Yeah,
1: I, I totally agree. And I think that one of the interesting angles that I've seen with this is kind of another coupling, right? Uh, and I feel like like with another school, like a Washington, for example, uh, you know, big-time Pacific Northwest rival, Pac-12 rival for the Ducks. And I think it makes a lot of sense, and there's some reason for optimism, that Oregon could go to the Big Ten, and I'm going to tell you why. It's because you don't want you don't want USC and UCLA to be geographically isolated, right? It doesn't make it makes this move make more sense. It makes it more realistic and doable if you have some of those West Coast games that are are still going to continue some normalcy from a scheduling standpoint, from a traveling standpoint. Think about how hard it is going to be for fans that continually travel, uh, you know, across the country week after week and we, to Oregon fans credit, they are a fan base that travels pretty well. Um, so that's obviously something that, that you have to keep in mind. Um, so I think that Washington makes a lot of sense because you have the Seattle market, which is probably the, the biggest market in the Pacific Northwest, not to to knock Portland, but I, I think we can kind of agree on that. Um, with with uh, kind of how that stands, but that question of a pairing is really interesting because it kind of made me Asked the question, how do we rank the the schools in the Pac-12 in terms of the premier brands? We got USC up there, UCLA, obviously. Like that 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 was just legitimized by this report, right? By this move. But Oregon's obviously there uh, with with the connection with Nike. But after that, I feel like it's a little bit of a toss-up. You have Stanford and Cal in the Bay Area, and that was another another kind of situation hypothetical that I saw. Uh, What does the big 10 just take over California and and have four West coast matchups four West coast schools that they bring over with them? Well, what do we think about an an Oregon Washington pairing or another school that might make sense for the big 10?
2: I think that Washington certainly makes the most sense. Um, USC and UCLA, they have the benefit that they're both huge markets. Um, You know, Oregon, cannot, I think, look to Oregon State, unfortunately, like USC looks to UCLA and take them to the next level. I think Oregon, this is the time for them to separate themselves. I really like what you said about, you know, USC and UCLA are kind of at the top, but, and Oregon is right below, if not, you know, on their level, but who's next is the, is the big question. Um, you know, I've been seeing some people say Utah and Colorado may do their own thing together. You know, they were the last. people to join the Pac-12. Um, so as far as a coupling go, I, I don't see anyone that makes as much sense as Washington, despite all the hatred that goes on in between uh, here in Seattle.
1: Yeah. And then the, the, the um, breakup, if you want to call it, between Oregon and Oregon State seems like it makes a lot of sense um, just because Oregon State hasn't been really relevant in the moneymaker sports for a while. You know, Credit to them. They, they do a tremendous job with with college baseball, um, and, and they're turning it around in, in football with Jonathan Smith. I think that that's definitely good. I mean, look at their basketball team, too. I think they, they made it to the Elite Eight a couple of years ago, I want to say. Yeah. They, I don't know yep, if they, I don't exactly. think they went to the Final Four, but that's when the Pac-12 was very well represented in the NCAA tournament, but, but Oregon's mm-hmm. journey got cut short after USC uh, obviously knocked them off, so... I, I feel like the Pac-12 is kind of dead, but just to, to answer uh, the other part of this question, because I want to get some other ones here we have, Graham. Can they add BYU and Boise State to keep it competitive? It's, it's, a, it's a good thought, but BYU, that ship sailed. They're, they're headed to the Big 12 um, as a, a former – they kind of towed the line. They were an independent in football, but they were in the WCC for, for basketball, as I know being a, um, you know a zag, shout out. Uh, go Zags. Um, so that's that ship sailed. They can't add BYU, but that's a really fun game I'm looking forward to this year. But Boise State, I, I think I see that as, as you know, kind of an attractive school or, or Fresno State. Um, but I just feel like the the pickings out west are so slim that uh, that there's not a whole lot of options that you can add that haven't already been linked to a, You know, another conference like you know, Cincinnati's going to the Big Twelve as well. Um, so it, it, it's just such a tough deal for, for the PAC 12. And that's why I feel like, you know, back to what I was saying in the beginning, it feels like it's kind of a death blow.
2: Definitely. I, I totally agree with you. Um, kind of, I'm focusing a little bit more on the other part of that, um, question talking about, you know, possibly going independent. Um, I really don't think that being independent, will be an option for Oregon or any school in this new landscape that's being created, you know, building these mega conferences that are supported by these long TV deals. It just seems so hard for a school to stay independent um, without, you know, that backing, that funding that these other schools are getting. How are they supposed to travel all across the nation? You know, it seems like the days of the independent, at least in my eyes are about over. It's a it's a cool little scenario to think about because the most notable
1: independents probably going to be Notre Dame, right? They've done it. They all, but think about what's allowed them to do that. They they had that that um, rights deal, the media rights deal with NBC, I believe, for for their football games. Um, so they they had that guaranteed exposure. But to that point, if you're looking at teams within the Pac-12 or perhaps even nationally, I feel like Oregon is one of those teams that might be a little bit more realistic for them to go independent because of the power of that brand, the power of that. Oh, the Nike connection, having Phil Knight um, as obviously a very distinguished alumnus and, and donor. Uh, I'm not sure I would say that that's the desired outcome. I think if I just kind of had to rank it right now, I would probably say big 10 and then uh, I, I don't know if I'd say independent or big 12 um, just just because I don't know. I'm kind of trying to just pour out my, my thoughts here and it's just like a little (laughs) bit. Um, But you have Richard Garcia here saying uh, Oregon to the big 12. So that's a little bit what we're talking about, but I want to wrap up my thoughts on the independent route. I think the one benefit of the independent route is that it still gives Oregon the flexibility and the ability to schedule these huge games. Um, You know, even though Notre Dame has been independent and they've caught a lot of flack for it. They've still been able to go to the playoff, uh, and they've still been able to, to schedule some some really strong teams. They have those rivalries with, with uh, um, USC and Stanford. They're going to be playing Ohio State next year. Um, so I think that that's a little bit of a blueprint that you can turn to. But at the same time, let's not kid ourselves. Like That is Notre Dame. Like That is a mm-hmm. very, very well-established and respected school a school that's won national championships, something yep. that Oregon hasn't done yet. And we know that that affords you kind of additional respect, clout opportunities in today's uh, world of college athletics. So I think the independent is maybe independent route is maybe a little bit more doable than people think, but I'm not sure I'd go as far as saying it's ideal.
2: Yeah, definitely. It, I think uh, you bring up some really good points there. You know, Notre Dame has that really strong history and, even if Oregon, you know, I think you're right in that Oregon is one of the schools that does have a brand for themselves and could actually do that. But will the boosters, will the directors uh, in charge of the Oregon athletic department programs go for that? I would be certainly surprised when there's so much money being passed out to USC and UCLA, who we were just rivals with, you know?
1: Yeah. So, and and you got to see what kind of media rights deals would be in place for that I don't think that's really a gamble that you want to take right now when you see how rapidly college football, college athletics are are changing. So heck of a good question from Christopher to kind of start things off here. Uh, Matthew saying, I've been saying for years that the Pac-12 better expand or it will die. They can't stand Pat. Well, it happened. The Pac-12 is dead. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, it does sound pretty dramatic, but it's it's definitely realistic it it feels like that's kind of where things are are headed since they didn't expand but yeah like I said how many teams could they or schools could they have brought in that would really have helped that much because it's just a a problem that they've been having for a while it hasn't been uh, a a strong team I'm sorry a strong conference (laughs) Matt Matt continues saying uh, Oregon and Washington are screwed unless they can get to the Big Ten that's why Graham and I were talking about you know potential pairings going to the Big Ten uh, along with UCLA and USC. And then the other one he has here is, only possible solution to keeping the Pac-12 is letting Stanford go independent and bring in BYU, Baylor, and Texas Tech. What what do we think of that?
2: First of all, let me say I appreciate you, Matthew, for uh, giving out names, Baylor, Texas Tech. I think uh, he, he says Oklahoma State a little bit later as well. I like these names. These are better than the names that, got pitched whenever we used to talk about a Pac-12 expansion. Whenever we used to talk about a Pac-12 expansion before today, it really felt like, you know, adding some Mountain West schools in, you know, your BYU, San Diego States maybe. But that's not the step that the Pac-12 is looking to take. And on the other side of this, I don't think that's the step that Texas Tech and Baylor want to take. I think definitely after today, the Pac-12 is a step down from the other conferences, from Big 10, Big 12, SEC, and ACC. You know, I don't think – it's it's hard to say it's a power five anymore after today.
1: It goes back to what I was saying when we were first talking about USC and UCLA. It's like, what does what the Pac-12 offer me that I can't get in the Big 10? Other than geographic location, not a whole lot. Um, and – I like the names of these schools. I think they definitely make the Pac-12 more attractive, especially provided that Oregon can stay in this scenario. But like I said, Baylor or sorry, BYU is already going to the Big 12 and then Baylor and Texas Tech, I, I don't see why they would want to, to go to the Pac 12. They're they're already in a good situation. So why would they knowingly go into a worse situation? It's just I, I really find it kind of a hard to, a hard sell uh, for them. Another school that he mentioned was Oklahoma State. So I, again I feel like the Big Twelve wasn't like amazing as a conference, but it looked like it was a heck of a lot better than the the Pac twelve after all the you know unfolding that we've seen here in uh you know the recent the recent uh, years and and just the past year the past year has just been so much change for the Pac twelve it's it's been nuts. Uh, so I, I like these teams. I think I'm with you, Graham, but but I I, I think it's too little, too late. Um, if if we're talking about that being a realistic possibility uh for for the Pac-12 got another question from from Tyler Young shout out to Tyler Young one of my one of my buddies uh back in the uh, Bay Area um went to Oregon Tyler's question how do you feel about college football creating two mega conferences Big 10 and SEC and then the follow-up question would they have to expand the playoff even more so let's attack the first part first um here on this question that how do I feel about CFB creating mega conferences? It's, it's just, it seems like this is such a hot button issue because you hear the word mega conference and I feel like kind of just off the top has negative connotations because it's it's just not what we're used to. But given the, the results that we've seen on the field since the inaugural college football playoff, um, which featured SEC, Pac-12, and Big Ten teams, um and ACC teams that's why I feel like there was so much reason that that could work because you had the blend you had four of the five major conferences represented with Oregon Florida State Ohio State and and Alabama so I just feel like the way that we've seen this played out it's just another another um you know statement that the big boys play in the SEC and, and the Big Ten so I feel like it's not ideal necessarily, but that's that's kind of how recent play in recent years have have dictated this the direction this was going. So maybe I'm not thrilled about it, but I think it makes sense as kind of a, a you know a legitimate option and, and the the way forward.
2: Yeah, as a fan, it's not what I want at all. I think it um, kills a little bit just uh, the chance of an unlikely Cinderella story. You know, it is certainly. More, uh, I'd say, common with March Madness, you know, having a low-seeded team upset somebody. But, like, this year with Cincinnati, I know they're going to uh, the big, a big conference as well, but will we ever have another story where a team can go undefeated in their smaller conference, show that they have the talent, and get a chance to prove it? I don't think so, especially not without expanding the playoff, like the second part of the question is saying.
1: Yeah, let's here, let's we'll let's get to that in a second. But yeah, I, I wanted to say what you were talking about with the undefeated part because it's already so difficult to go undefeated, to run the table in your conference. But like if you have these just if these you have these mega conferences and you're just finding yourself playing the heavy hitters that much more often, um, I think it's just gonna, you know, separate, you know, the gap that widen the gap rather that much more. Between some of the the premier teams in, in college football, and it, and a, a quick side note, I think this a lot of these conversations that we're having it it kind of um, lends itself to the discussion: should college football separate from the NCAA uh, because it is that that big big money earner, and so many of the decisions that we're seeing now are centered around college football, while a lot of these other sports can kind of get a. Uh, you know, not left in the dust, but they, they don't necessarily get as big of a voice at the table. Um, there, there's, that's why there's just so many things that we can get into here. Um, but I just wanted to say that about the, the undefeated seasons. It's going to be so, so much harder, especially for these teams that are coming in to the quote-unquote mega conferences.
2: Yeah, certainly. And one thing that I really hope I would love to see happen as a proxy of this is just that uh, we see some former, I guess, Looking into the sad future, some former Pac-12 teams go and put up a really good fight. You know, Oregon has had a really tough time running the table, getting undefeated, getting back to the college football playoff. I really hope that some of these like Stanfords, Cal, you know, should they find their way into a bigger conference? I could really see them knocking off some, some, uh, some stronger teams with some more history. And I know the uh, I'll always be a Pac-12 fan, you know, West Coast guys, you and me, I think we'll always have a se- special place in our heart for it, even if it ain't gone yet. But I would really love to see that, because I think some some of these Pac-12 football schools got some more fighting them than they're getting credit for today. Wow, some,
1: some bold statements there. Uh, definitely got to go to bat for the Pac-12 a little bit, Graham. I can respect that. Um, but it also brings up another interesting part of how worthy are some of these Pac-12 schools of being brought into the mega conference? You know, sure that maybe seems like the natural way forward and kind of what's going to happen. But if, if you're the SEC in the big 10, I don't think that a majority of the Pac-12 is, is worth a look to be brought into these mega conferences. And you have to wonder how big they're going to be. I know that's another huge talking point. I've seen numbers like 20 teams, 30 teams, 35 uh, if, if that ends up being the direction that we're ultimately going here, as you see with Tyler's question about the mega conferences, but, and I, I don't want it to only be focused around the brand. Like we were talking about earlier, but um, you got to think about college football and basketball as being the main drivers here. And um, I don't think, wa- I mean, Washington, I feel like they kind of just struck lightning. Like I got lightning in a bottle and, you know, struck the iron while it was hot or something around that expression. Cause they just, it's been a dumpster fire the past couple of years. Um, but Kalen DeBoer is doing everything he can to turn that thing around. And I think another interesting part uh, that I want to talk about later is the rivalries and then how that's kind of just hanging in the balance right now. But I wanted to, to get to Tyler, the second part of Tyler's question, and trying not to bounce around too much here. He was asking, would they need to expand, expand the playoff even more? Uh, and this is an interesting angle because – it has the playoff hasn't been expanded, but there's been talks of it being expanded for for a while now. People are kind of going back and forth between how many teams they think makes sense. Uh, you know, six, eight, ten, twelve. Uh, you want to take a shot at this first?
2: Sure. Yeah. Um, first of all, Tyler, I I pretty much agree with you. I th- I do see these routes. You know, uh, creating two mega conferences, expanding the playoff more. I believe those are the most likely routes that this will, uh, that will be the most likely outcome. I think a big reason for uh, people wanting the playoff to be expanded is for the Cincinnati's, for the Oregon's, for the teams that are fighting hard, you know, have a solid record, but wouldn't get in the top four in the nation. So if all the conferences come together and all these schools are already playing each other, I don't know if that need for the playoff expansion is still there, but, you know, like we've been talking about all day, this is a brand thing. This is a money thing. If they can sell more tickets, make more games, you know, have fans fly across the country to go see their team in the biggest game, then I don't see why they wouldn't take advantage of that.
1: One of the big parts of the, the argument for expansion or against expansion, I should say, is that it drives down the value of the regular season. But if you have these mega conferences, I kind of think that the weekly matchups that you get are probably becoming more attractive uh, because even though we have a lot of these historic matchups in the Pac-12 that, that you know we were kind of used to, um, the, the Pac-12 just isn't a good conference and they're, you're not seeing as many of these good quality matchups like your Penn State against Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan-Ohio State. Like They're getting those matchups every week. So I feel like this the expansion could potentially give us better games on a more frequent basis, testing teams more often, and giving some of that you know cross conference uh, play that I think some people look forward to, right? Not only with bowl season, but but with the playoffs. So I think that it, it does make sense that that maybe um, they would we would see some some college football playoff expansion. If uh, we do have mega conferences um, just to get more teams in the mix, but that would, I mean, it would probably be even more so than we see now more sec and more big 10 teams uh, kind of getting, getting the nod and, and more likely being in there. So I think it'll, it'll be interesting to see kind of what, what direction this takes. Um, they got to get the, the conference thing figured out. I feel like this kind of delays the playoff expansion conversation because this is such a monumental change and I kind of have to figure out what's going on here before they go down that road. We're going to take a quick break here on the Duck's Dish podcast. Uh, We're on the live stream right now, but just got to take a quick intermission for the ad break for those of you listening on the podcast, and we will be right back after this.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: All right. We are back on the Ducks Dish podcast. I'm Max Torres talking with Graham Metzger about the big news of the day. And that is the report that USC and UCLA are heading to the big 10 as soon as 2024, which I think just makes this even more of a pressing issue that they, they gotta, they gotta act on this fast. Uh, That's why I'm sure Oregon's on the phone with, with everybody right now. And, and um, other PAC 12 schools are too, because this doesn't only affect Oregon, but, Um, I want to take a little bit of a break from the questions and kind of just talk specifically about what we think this move means for Oregon. Um, We've talked about it a little bit uh, earlier in in the pod, Graham, but I think it it definitely just it's it now is the time for you to cement yourself as one of the one of the better college football programs in the country and and fight for your seat at the table um, might be a good way to put it. I think that the big 10 is the best option, uh, but at the same time, it's, it's not guaranteed that, uh, that, that Oregon's going to be able to get to the big 10, but it does make a lot of sense, especially geographically to, to pair with USC and UCLA. It'd be kind of cool if we could see what was going on and kind of what a lot of these, the thought processes were, were behind here, um, behind the, the thinking behind this. Um, I don't know why words are so hard right now, but, um, but I think it could be good for Oregon because if you if you can get out of the Pac-12, um, I think it really helps just making you more legitimate, getting you better matchups, and could even help recruiting even more. I think the uncertainty might give some recruits pause, cause for pause right now. But if you do ultimately end up in the Big Ten, um, I think it only helps you from a recruiting standpoint because you're you're upping your profile uh, in the college football
2: world. Yeah, I think that recruiting is – it's something that we haven't touched on in in this show yet, but it'll completely change, I think. You know, recruits having a little bit of hesitancy right now totally makes sense. But in this kind of, like, dystopia that we're talking about where it's just two big football conferences and they're taking up all the screen time, all the TV time, I think it's going to be hard for recruits to say no. At the end of the day, what's your goal as a football recruit going to college – showcase your talent and get to the league. So I think the best way to do that is certainly to be at these big schools. You know, that's it's going to be the most opportunities.
1: And, a, and another point that uh I was thinking about um kind of a sub point that I've kind of had on my mind as we're looking ahead to next season. Dan Lane's recruiting with this new staff. Uh I think they're really set up to to have an awesome month of July. A lot of Oregon fans are like, where are all the commits? Like what's happening? Like the staff isn't doing well. I wouldn't say a lot, but I'm definitely seeing it on social and in my mentions a little bit more. Just be patient. I, I do think that that Oregon has some some good things coming coming for them on the recruiting trail. You know, based off the intel I've gotten and the people I've talked to, recruits I've talked to. So be patient; it'll come. Um, but what I was gonna say is, this was already such an insane time for Dan Landing to to get his first head coaching opportunity. Uh, you're coming off that national championship. You're going to Oregon. Maybe something that's interesting to talk about again is Oregon's championship window. It, it kind of feels like it's the next, you know, three to five years. Does, does that get narrower or shorter with, with a potential move to the Big Ten of the SEC because your path to the playoff could be a little bit more difficult potentially depending on expansion? I just thought that was so crazy. Like Dan Lennon already had so much on his plate as a first year head coach coming to a school like Oregon with the expectations as high as they are. Um, and, and I just think it's kind of something I want to throw out there in the conversation.
2: Yeah, I, I think that this uh, frame, this time span before 2024, uh, when that deal comes final, I think Oregon has to go hard and try and at least uh, get, you know, in a more prominent bowl game. I'd say the Rose Bowl at least, which I don't even know. I want to think about what would happen to the, my dear old Rose Bowl um at you know I I already liked it being like the the biggest bowl game obviously it's been a long time since the Rose Bowl really was the granddaddy of them all but my my love for the Rose Bowl aside um yeah I think Oregon has to go now they've got a lot of good guys coming in you know hit the transfer portal hard with Bo Nix I think that if you're landing if you're the Ducks keep going hard on that transfer portal you know The recruiting will come, certainly. We've seen some – I've seen some good reports for Oregon uh, lately, especially around Dante Moore, the five-star QB. So I think that there is no better time for Oregon. And not only is it the easiest time right now for them to get back to that college football playoff, which is, of course, the goal, but I think a successful year or two right now will go a long way in helping Oregon into the next conference they move to.
1: That's a really good point uh, because obviously this move isn't going to be established this season. So maybe you hear this and that makes this season that much more pressing. you got to, you got to do what you can uh, while you can, while you're still in the pac 12. And I think this just brings back the point again, why I feel like it was so frustrating to, to watch Oregon at times last year. Cause you see how, how low, how low people think of the pac 12, you know, how they like they have no respect for the pac 12. And there were so many games, Graham, where, where the, the guys, uh, the ducks barely won. And if they go into the big 10 and they're facing some of these teams that just have such a higher floor, it's going to make it a lot more difficult on, on a week to week basis. So I think that's kind of a cool thing to think about is, um, is that they got to they gotta ball out while they can now, while the competition is still as bad as it is in the Pac-12. So that's kind of a funny you know perspective to, to take as we kind of uh, really get close. I think we're under the two-month mark now as we really get closer to uh, college football. July coming up here is going to be the last month without college football, hopefully this year. Uh, so that's kind
2: of a relief to say. Certainly. You know, uh, outside of all this, certainly just excited for some college football to be back. It's best time of the year. Um, but yeah, you know, I think we kind of looked at both sides of that. You know, I was saying maybe, oh, the PAC 12 schools deserve a little bit more credit you're saying. And I agree with you certainly that, um, you know, it is a lower field of competition and at the end of the day there. I don't think there's any debate that the PAC 12 in football certainly is lower competition than these big conferences. Um but, yeah, Oregon's had some killer games. Just hearing you talk about, you know, Oregon barely winning, I think about the game against Arizona State um, when Her- in Herbert's senior year. I think about, certainly, Stanford's game this year. Um, yeah, so if Oregon wants to show that they're big conference ready, no more of those uh, late-game PIs, I think.
1: Yeah, and, and you want to get to a great bowl game, I was just talking about this the other day, um, that the Rose Bowl is great and all, but for Oregon, and I think Oregon fans too, it's not enough anymore. You've got to get back to the college football playoff, and this whole wrench being thrown into everything with with, uh, another huge conference realignment domino begs the question, what happens to bowl season? I mean that there was so many, there are so many matchups that are, you know, Pac-12 versus Big Ten, Pac-12 versus, you know, insert other conference here. That could just, you know, make things even more wild uh, because we're not going to know how, uh, how do, how do we decide? How does college football decide which teams play in which game? Um, I mean, I love bowl season. I don't, I don't want, I don't. I there's so many of these classic matchups um that that you see so I I feel like even though bowl season can kind of just get turned on its head maybe that could be good for Oregon because they're at the point where the Rose Bowl isn't enough and they need to get to the playoff I think if they want to take that next step as a program it's not a stretch at all to, to say that the Rose Bowl isn't enough which makes it hard I think when you look at the the timing of the coaching transition because I think for any coach, winning a Rose Bowl in your first year would be awesome, but the expectation level just keeps getting higher. Um, not only the the more big games that Oregon wins when you win a game over Ohio State, and the better that the Ducks recruit, um, that's obviously not going to slow down at all. So I think that's kind of a a, a, a maybe under under talked to, not underutilized. What am I trying to say? Underrated challenge that this kind of creates for Oregon moving forward in today's day
2: and age in college football. I agree. And a little bit branching off of that point, uh, you know, Oregon fans are hungry. They do not accept uh, too little. They need it all, you know, Oregon fans for basketball, Oregon fans, especially for football are so hungry for a national championship, not the Rose bowl. So I really hope that, um, those in charge of the Oregon Athletic Department, those making decisions for Oregon today, take into consideration how hungry and supportive the Duck fans are. And if you stay in the Pac-12 when it gets worse, if you don't make a move um, to one of the big conferences like USC and UCLA, do the Oregon fans stay as hungry? I don't think so. Does Oregon stay a national brand? It's hard to say. I,
1: yeah, I think we can probably agree that staying in the Pac-12 would, would definitely be a step back uh, for for Oregon now. Just based on where things are headed, especially if you look at just the past couple of years, who's been the 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 best school, best football team in the Pac-12? Last year aside, you know, taking you know, the last three or four years, um, it's been Oregon. So you, you can't afford to sit around and watch two quote unquote lesser schools in terms of college football, because we're talking about that as a a major driver here, make a move like that. And then just stand pat. Um, I think that was another comment that someone made earlier in the the live stream that Oregon can't afford to stay in the PAC 12. It just, it would be, it would be pretty detrimental, I think to kind of where they're trying to get the program, right? I think that's what you've got to look at program, excuse me, program podcast. Um, So I think that's, it's an, it's an interesting dynamic to look at and, to Oregon's credit and the fans' credit, there was a study that was out, I think, it said that they have the seventh largest fan base in the nation. So maybe that's something that you could say supports the independent route um, or supports them expanding to you know join the Big Ten or, or the Big 12. But maybe that's something we haven't talked about very much as an option. Uh, that's maybe the, like one of the last points we can, um, we can uh, hit on here. What do we think about Oregon and the big 12 as they're bringing in some schools? uh, I think as soon as 2023.
2: I think that the big 12 is certainly an option for Oregon. I don't see the big 12 um, hate. Honestly, I don't think I understand it. I still see the big 12 as one of the premier conferences, not only in football, but you know, gotta, we gotta look at basketball too. I think, they are excellent in basketball. You know, they just had the champion in basketball with Kansas.
1: Yeah, and and I think from the from the Big Twelve standpoint, you got to look at this as a golden opportunity to give Oregon a call. You're about to lose your top two schools, your top two brands in Texas and Oklahoma. Um, you know, that's a whole another discussion. How are they actually going to fare in the SEC? Um, but man that would be an awesome way for the big 12 to to kind of continue to boot to boost itself up um with with schools like cincinnati and byu coming in if you can get oregon i think that'd be a good situation um again you obviously have the challenge of of geography with a lot of these schools uh kind of being you know more midwestern going all the way up to iowa with, with iowa state but i think Maybe the more I think about it, I, I kind of feel like right now, and again, this is kind of like a rapid reactions podcast and we're going to have to sit with a lot of these things, do some research, talk to some people and see what we think. But I feel like i kind of rank the options Big 10, Big 12, independent. Pac- and then staying in the Pac-12, like at the very bottom, like I think we can agree that that's not the move. Um, I, I think that the Big 12 clearly isn't on the same level as the SEC and as the big 10, but, but maybe that is, uh, you know, one of the better options out there for Oregon. Everything's on the table now. Like that's how big this news was.
2: Yeah. I think, uh, because this news was so groundbreaking, it's not only Oregon that's trying to keep up, but also the big 12, you know, they have to see this as, um, they have to see this as not only a shock and, it will hurt their brand, but also as an opportunity, you know, if you, if the big 12 goes and gets Oregon and Washington, that's a pretty solid uh, response to the big 10 getting USC and UCLA. Yeah. And
1: then I wanted to, to reference Nick's comment here. The problem with the big 12 is that they make the same amount of money as the Pac 12. And I think that's something that I didn't really take into account that much, honestly. Um, but and you know, I appreciate you saying that because it's something that we, we need to know. Um, oh man. Yeah. I don't, I feel like even though that might, that's the case, I still feel like going to the big 12 is a better situation than staying in the pack 12 or is it, I, I feel like you're playing more quality opponents. So there's that, there's that draw, but staying in the pack 12 maybe allows you to keep some of these rivalries going. I know that was another, comment that we got that um, not only are, are undefeated records going to be really hard, tough to get, um, but these rivalries, man, rivalries are part of what makes college football so great. Um, so that, that would definitely be something that's going to be hard to keep up kind of regardless of where the ducks end up moving. I think they're probably going to make a move, but if they're able to bring Washington with them, I mean, that, that gives you the, the rivalry with Washington um, and then also that rivalry with, with USC, which, which would be great. So, um, oh man, it's, it's tough. It's going to be tough to see what happens and what's the time frame for this? Like, when can we expect some kind of clarity or finality and, and what's ultimately going to be the next step for Oregon and, and a lot of these other teams in the PAC 12?
2: I, it's wild. It is wild. And, um, I think part of what has made this day so shocking is just, the lack of communication between uh, the PAC 12 commissioner and the schools, and obviously keeping this deal under wraps for who knows how long. Um, just because of that, it makes it just such a shock, uh, of course. And it makes it, um, it, it makes it certainly hard to keep those rivalry going. I think uh, Oregon and Washington has been a better rivalry than, Oregon and Oregon State I don't think I'll there's too much flack on that sure um but yeah I think that has been a really really just part of the reason why I'm having trouble getting my words out right now you know just so shocking from the commissioner um not knowing what's going on so certainly the fans and us do not got a full grip on it
1: yeah it's we're just gonna keep kind of digesting it and and seeing kind of what's going on. I'm going to work on an opinion piece, a column uh, on Ducks Digest later today to kind of talk about what I think this means for Oregon and and where Oregon goes from here. Um, But just any final thoughts, Graham, as we wind down here uh, about today's news, whether it's Pac-12 related or, you know, more specifically Oregon?
2: Yeah, one thing that I love, you know, uh, we've been talking about some college football traditions today, you know, the Pac-12 as a whole, Rose Bowl, One tradition that I love, even if it's come to bite Oregon pretty hard in the past, is trap games. I feel like making these huge conferences with only the best of the best makes it really hard to have these upsets, you know, a trap game like Oregon going down to Arizona State and everyone says, oh, they better watch out. You know, do we have those opportunities anymore? Do we get to see those upsets, these exciting moments, fans rushing the field? Man, I hope so.
1: That's a really good angle to take. I hadn't even thought about that um, because yeah, these better teams, there's going to be, maybe the trap games are gonna be harder to find, but that's a a great, a great point to kind of wrap things up on just to give my final thoughts on this. This is just a a wild, wild moment for, for college athletics, for college football in particular for the PAC 12 PAC 12 is kind of on life support. Now, fortunately for Oregon, I feel like they, they bring more to the table than a lot of these other PAC 12 schools. So it, it gives me confidence that they're going to be able to kind of land in a better uh, situation than maybe a lot of these other schools in the Pac-12. Um, so that's something to consider for sure. Um, and then the direction that the football program's going in, I think that that should inspire confidence and, and some of these other conferences to consider taking them in. But there's obviously a, a pretty big geographical challenge just with where Oregon is located you know, in Eugene and, and Western Oregon. Not an easy place to get to. If you've ever flown in or, in or out of Eugene, you know that the airlines don't make it easy. Um, a lot of the times recruits have to go to Portland and then drive down here. So it's kind of a mess. College football just really got turned on its head, and, and I'm excited to see what happens. And, and I'm gonna, we're all going to be following all of that as closely as we can to keep you updated here on the Ducks Dish podcast as well as on Ducks Digest. Graham, where can people find more of you if they want to tap in with you and see what you got going on?
2: If you want to see all the articles, all the stuff I'm doing for Ducks Digest, make sure to give me a follow on Twitter at Graham Metzger. got my handle. Right there. (laughs) Um, And Max, thanks so much for having me on the show today. I really feel like this was kind of a therapy session, you know, just kind of getting on top of all this news. And uh, I definitely feel better about Oregon's prospects after this talk today.
1: Yeah, man, right on. Well, I I appreciate you taking the time to hop on the the pod. I haven't had you in a while. So it was fun to kind of just let everything out and kind of just it felt like we were like a blank canvas and we were just like throwing paint everywhere and like trying to figure out what was going on. So sorry if there was a lack of direction on today's show, it's just like really crazy news, but uh, I had an awesome time. If you guys want to find more of me, you can follow me on Twitter at sports, and make sure you head on over to ducksdigest.com where we talk heavily about Oregon football and Oregon football recruiting. Got a story from Graham actually going up this afternoon with a big target for the Ducks. Um, and then if you guys are here in the live chat on YouTube, thank you guys for tuning in live and joining us. Or if you're here on the replay, uh, and you've stuck around, thank you for watching. Definitely smash the like button to help us grow the channel and, uh, help us reach more Oregon fans and then smash that subscribe button as well. And go ahead and share the duck's dish podcast to your friends, family, and other duck fans. But that'll do it as, uh, we wind down this latest episode of the duck's dish podcast. Appreciate you guys tuning in and we will see you in the next one.